0: Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, Term 1. This is Lesson 9. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off on page 6. However, I am going to go back a page or two just to begin um, our thought in Matthew, Chapter 5. That's on page 2 and verse 1. I just want to read the first couple of verses, get to where we left off. Remember again in Matthew, Chapter 5, where Jesus has just finished healing multitudes and... They're coming to him. He looks across and decides he needs help. And so it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Let's go to verse 3, because these are the Beatitudes that he now begins to teach. And it says, You are blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now we are actually looking at that. and We started uh, that last time. And uh, we looked... At all the blessings um, that Ephesians talks about, I don't want to go through all that again. And we also looked at Luke. Now this is on page five, Luke chapter 18, when we looked at the those people that would be opposite to poor in spirit. Those people that thought high of themselves, didn't think they were poor in spirit. Okay, remember again, poor in spirit isn't talking about um, a poverty that is natural, it is a poverty that is spiritual, so to speak. And we, and the whole point of this is that we need God's help in the area of the Spirit, because we can't get a hold of it. It's nothing tangible, you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? And uh, <coughs> the, one of the things that we looked at, uh, and in fact, what's a good place to start? Um, Jesus taught from from Luke chapter 18, uh, that those that trusted in their own righteousness and didn't acknowledge their, their poverty in their spirit um, were people that lacked humility. And this whole verse is about humility. And that's what it means that blessed are, those, are the poor in spirit, or those that admit that they have a need, a spiritual need. They, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the other thing that I, I also made mention of was um, Nicodemus, was a person that was a very religious person, but he was poor in spirit. You know, which is why Jesus said, you must be born again. Otherwise, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to be looking at that when we uh, look at the uh, epistles of John. So we're getting to that place when we go and look at the sons of God. Uh, but we'll look at that at, at that stage. But the, the point being, Nicodemus didn't realize that he was spiritually poor. He didn't realize that all of his good works didn't amount to much as far as God was concerned. As far as God was concerned, regardless of how many good things you do, if you're not born again, spiritually recreated, you're not coming in. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> that's a huge revelation that a lot of very um, moral people need. <laughs> okay? Because they think well if I'm good God will let me in. It's not God's not keeping you out cuz you're not good. God's keeping you out because you got in you come into his presence in the state you're in you will die. You just can't stand in the presence of God without having a recreated spirit. Amen. All right, so we're looking at humility. We're looking at we're up to first Peter 5 and verse 6, which is the way to come everything in the kingdom of God requires this. The Apostle Peter writes and he says, "Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. I want you to notice the first thing it says, you need to humble yourself. God won't humble you. That happens if you don't humble yourself. If you humble yourself, then you get exalted. If you don't humble yourself, that means you're exalting yourself. You see, the one or the other. You can't be neutral ground. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, if you do that, then all, all that's left for you is a fall at some, at, at some point in time. Leon Morris says that the poor in spirit in the sense of this beatitude, are those who recognize that they are completely and utterly destitute in the realm of the Spirit. They recognize their lack of spiritual resources and therefore their complete dependence on God. This is where we begin, family. This is where we begin. And remember again, one of the things that I said, see, one of the things that the Word of Faith movement came out with was, they. Ha- and I want to share some of these things because we need to see both sides. Because the denominationals. Think this way. This is kind of their wiring, except they they go to the extreme where you can't do anything anyway, and so they don't bother. You know, that's it. I mean, if God wants to do it, He does it. If He doesn't, then it won't happen. the The word of faith went the other way in and, and charismatic movement. They went the other way where they said, "Well, no, we're the children of God. We have power. We're more than conquerors." It's all Bible verses, okay? Uh, and and you know, we have the victory, and so therefore, we need to go and we need to decide what we want, and we need to do this and we need to do that. Uh, and, and the thing is, uh, hang, you know, one learned about faith in God, one learned about the faith of God, but they didn 't realize that the two of them are, sh- are are just tied together with a very, very short string you can't really you can 't separate them. The faith in God allows you to have the faith of God to move the mountain, so to speak, but also the faith of God requires faith in God for you to ever get there. You you know the the two just work hand in hand and so um, what this is telling us is this is the place where you begin. You need to understand that spiritually speaking, you are in a place where if God didn't reveal anything, you'd be in big trouble. Amen. But he he has revealed things to us, and you know unlike the denominationalists that say, well, it's all up to God, the Bible tells us that we have a part to play in it, and these signs will follow those who believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. So we do have a part to play. But we must never get to the place where we think we can do it without God. Are you getting this now? Whereas the dominationals must never come to the place where they think it's all God. Because then it's never going to happen. Because it says, if you say to this... It didn't say God said. It said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, then things will begin to happen. Amen? While they're saying, no, no, it's all up to God to do everything. So, are you getting this? Can I move on? Is that okay? right, because we're getting to some things that if if we understand this properly, my gosh, the power of God in your life will increase exponentially. And you need to get, if you get this and you get a revelation on this, then you'll begin to understand that it's, as much as it is up to you to take steps, it is up to God to do the miracles. Did you get it? Okay, that's why I always keep going back to the water into wine incident. You know, I just love that. It's up to us to fill the pots with water. It's up to God to turn it into wine. Hallelujah. All right. Accordingly, John MacArthur writes, The opposite of self-sufficiency, spiritual poverty, includes the deep humility of recognizing one's utter spiritual bankruptcy apart from God. See, praise God we're not apart from God. Can I just... (laughs) Okay... Can I just say that? Because sometimes you read this and it gets depressing almost. You, know, you think, oh my God, spiritually bankrupt. Yes, but we are not apart from God. But the thing is, for people to come to God, they need to know this. Otherwise, they'll never come to Him. Are you all with me? Amen? So, we're not talking about you. We're talking about people. We're talking about that first step that you took to come to God. Amen. Alright. <coughs> it describes those who are, acu- are acutely conscious that they are lost and hopeless apart from divine grace. And amen to all of that. There's nothing wrong with all of that. Amen? I mean, literally. You know, it's very hard for us to see from this side because we're in that grace. God is with us. He said He'll never leave us or forsake us. We have been called the sons of God. It's really hard to, to go back to this spot and have a look at this. But I want you to do it anyway. Is that okay? Because there is a little key to all of this that applies to you even today. The way we get in is the way we stay in and we we grow. And that is understanding that we need to keep going back to daddy. We need to keep going back to God. Because no matter how far up, uh, quoting Job 8, 7, though your beginning is small, your latter end shall greatly increase. And your latter end that greatly increases is your next small beginning. Amen. And we go from small to big, small to big, small to big. Every time you think you get somewhere decent in your life, Understand, that's the next small beginning for the next latter great end that's coming next. Amen? We, 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 we move in seasons in our life. Every season leads to the next thing. And the next thing is, as great as you, you know, as, as wonderfully as you've done, that's still the small beginning for the next one. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, that's another series. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to this. <clears throat> Job clearly understood this and wrote in Job chapter 9 verses 2 through 4. Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? Now we just need to, you know, let's stop for a second and think about that. How can a man be righteous before God? This is a perfect being. Because of our fall, we are all imperfect in so many ways. It's it's hard to count. Just in our thinking, we have problems. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, we don't even have to sin out here. I mean, just the thoughts that are going through our head are a major problem after the time. Amen. So Job is in this position, and he's saying, "Truly, I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God?" Verse three: If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. I mean, I would add a million there. Seriously, <laughs> you know. Verse four is he says, "God is wise in heart." and mighty in strength. So, we need to gain that revelation to understand whose we are, who lives in us, and what we have access to. Amen. See, we can't look at this verse and say, well, yes, brother, God is amazing, God is wonderful, I'm just useless. Okay? No, okay? The life we now live is His life. The spirit that we now have is his spirit on the inside of us. This is the reason why the apostle John says, "Behold what manner you know this is it's an exclamation. That's why in the you know in the even in the English version they have an exclamation after that particular sentence because in the Greek there's a huge exclam- exclamation mark when he says, "Behold what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God." It's just wow. Do you know why all of this becomes ours? All the things that we're saying, God is so incredible, and God is so amazing, and God is just beyond everything that anybody could imagine. Lives in us, and He's our dad. And He's going, "What do you want to know today? <laughs> you know, How much can you manage?" You know, <laughs> okay. Further to this, so uh, you know, I, I'm showing you both sides of the coin as we go. Is that all right? Okay. Further to this, in Psalm 147, verse five, the psalmist explains, "Great is our God, and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite." Limitless and beyond comprehension. I've got a couple of versions there. Okay, That's what all the little letters mean. Because they all say something. His understanding is infinite, it's limitless, and it's beyond comprehension. Now, where does this come in handy? When we're dealing with a problem that's so big that we can't wrap our noodle around it, <laughs> okay? and we think, oh my God, I don't know how you're going to get us out of this, God, read this verse. He, he knows how we don't he knows and regardless of how obstinate people might be regardless of how messed up the situation might be he's still that smart amen amen hallelujah that's the reason why we lean not to our own understanding Do, do you understand okay we always trust him let him lead us we just do what he tells us to do and then leave things alone you know one of the other things i've noticed is we tend to pay too much attention to things sometimes you know we do something then we want to go look don't look. We walk by faith and not by sight. There are times you need to look, but other times you really don't need to. You need to leave it alone, okay? Because the more you look at something, and it will, you know, the devil will do everything to try and get you off track. It's what happened with Peter when he was walking on water. He was he was walking towards Jesus, he was walking on water. He started to, he t- he got his attention shifted from Jesus to the circumstances and he started to think. It is true in all of our lives, family. We need to keep our eyes on God, full stop. Amen, that's it. Amen, no matter how much it's screaming around us. All right. so it is only when we realize, let's get back to this, how extraordinary God is, will we stop stop trying to impress God with our self-righteousness and our self-confidence and also stop insisting on our own way and get into submission to God and His will for our life. Do I need to say anything? Okay, just be careful when you say, God, I've got a better way of doing it. You actually don't, <laughs> okay? But God, I really, really, you know, we do the really, really, really thing, okay? We, we do the verily, verily on God some days, you know? But verily, verily, I say unto you, you know, this is a better way, God. He <laughs> goes, you have no idea, okay? And, and we need, that's why, you know, again, we come back to this understanding how amazing and infinite He is and how limited we are. We don't have the insight, we don't have the vantage point that He has. He can see past, present, future. He can see the whole landscape. Amen. In short, we must have an equal understanding of both the greatness of God and our need for humility, both of which are brought out in Isaiah uh, 66 and verse 2, where God Himself says, My hands have made both heaven and earth, and they are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have a humble and contrite spirit, who tremble at my word. Amen. And that's you know, that's reverence his word. Do you understand? Okay, we don't tremble, but okay. That's why the Apostle James says in James chapter four, verses six and seven, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now I preach a whole series on this. Because, you know, we we need to begin to understand that whenever we get into pride. I don't care where it is. I'll tell you, it, it sneaks in when you're not looking. You know, there's so many things that we can get proud about. We don't like the word, but we do it. Okay? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, somebody questions something that you're very good at, you get upset. There you go, there's the pride. Are you, are you all with me? Okay. We don't realize it, but it, it, it comes up in places. And I've got caught out on this as well. You know, and allowed things to uh, manipulate my emotions in that way, and then had to go repent. Okay? because, And see, it doesn't matter if people don't get what you're saying. Understand something. Whatever you can do, you can do. You don't have to convince other people that you can do it in order for, for you to be able to do something. Did you get that revelation? Okay? So, you know, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. They'll see one, one way or the other, you do what you're called to do anyway. And it will be apparent to everybody one day. Amen. And so, don't ever get to that place where you know you start to fight. Because God resists the proud. There's a problem okay? And He's not going to say, you're not going to say, oh come on God, do this so I, can, so I can look down at my nose at them and say, meh, see? He won't do it. As much as you want Him to. As much as you say, I'll tithe. As much as you say, I'll go to church every week. I'll get up at five in the morning and pray. If you just do this to me no he is resisting you don't ask amen amen okay so he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore watch this this is what follows submit to God resist the devil he will flee from you did you get that I want you to notice the condition of resisting the devil and him fleeing from you is number one submit to God And before that, you can't be proud. Amen. You need to get rid of pride out of your heart. Do you know the other reason why you need that? Because if you don't get rid of pride, you'll never ask God for help as well. Because you can, you know, I I can take care of this God, don't worry about it. Until you're sinking. Help me, Lord. Help. Okay. Alright, notice that God gives His grace to the humble. Did you notice that? God actually gives grace to the humble. What does Hebrews tell us? It's not here, but what does Hebrews tell us? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Humble people go to a throne of grace. Not a throne of what I deserve, but a throne of grace. Amen? And notice it says that He gives grace to the humble. Okay, but the proud he resists. And verse 7 goes on to say, it is only the humble who, will sub, uh, who submit to God that have the right to resist the devil and watch him flee from them. I like the way I said that. So having dealt with both aspects of the phrase poor in spirit, in Matthew's gospel, now let's go on to look at Luke's gospel, which is what you guys haven't seen. Remember again that Ma- while Matthew dealt with a relatively spiritual Jewish audience, And the need for spiritual blessings and humility, can I add? Okay, Luke is going to be dealing with a relatively natural audience and the need for natural blessings. And why he has Jesus saying in Luke chapter 6 and verse 20, Blessed are you poor. Notice not poor in spirit now. Do you see the difference? Now he's just saying blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Remember the other one was the kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom of God. Okay, all right. So here, in this verse, Luke uh, has Jesus saying that the, kingdom, uh, that the kingdom of God, in fact, has everything necessary to take you from whatever position you are in naturally, and transition you into a place of unimaginable blessing. See, because the Gentile didn't care too much about spiritual stuff, they didn't know. It's like, who cares, you know? To get an idea of what sort of blessing is spoken of here. Let's begin in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, where the Apostle Paul writes, And my God shall supply all your need. Notice, not according to your circumstances, education or position in life. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> all right, okay. But according to His riches in glory, by Christ Jesus. See, this world says that you don't have an education, you're not going to prosper. God's word says it doesn't matter. God doesn't put a premium on dumb people. Okay, okay. Learn. Always learn. Always look to learn because the more you learn, the better you become. Remember again, you know, Jesus said the greatest of all is the servant of all. Okay, and you can only serve if you know how. Amen? But I want you to notice here I love this that this blessing is not based on anything about you, but everything about God. I love that according to His riches in glory, but by Christ Jesus. There is the key. You don't have the Lord, you don't get it. People say, well, I want all the blessings. Well, you have to have the Lord. The thing is, the Lord comes with a few conditions. And that's what we're learning about right now. You need to be humble. Amen? You need to resist pride in your life, and so on and so forth. The Apostle James says in James chapter 1, and verse 17, I love this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of Lights. Remember again we're talking about now not just spiritual but natural blessings as well. With with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Notice good gift and every perfect gift. A lot of people don't realize the difference here. What is a perfect gift? A perfect perfect gifts are spiritual gifts. They're things that never fade. Okay? They're things that are not affected by time. Are you all with me? Okay? Good gifts. Are natural blessings; they are affected in time. The reason being, you know, you get a new car today. In about three years, it ain't new anymore. You know, the dog's thrown up on it or done something else, and the kids have spilled their. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, now as as good as it was to begin with, there comes a time when you need another car. You know, I mean, I mean, it just suddenly starts falling apart, and the wheel goes in one direction, and you're in another. And you think, you know, it's time. It was a good gift, but now it ain't so great. I need to get another good gift. Okay? But your salvation is forever. Your salvation can't be added to in any way or form. It was perfect the, ma- the moment that God made you a new creation, you remain that way. Now, how you're progressing in your natural walk, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> okay? But spiritually, what God did was perfect. Are you all with me? So, our, the, the perfect gifts are all the spiritual gifts, the good ones are all the natural ones. And this talks about both, and I'm glad it talks about both. Amen? There's another scripture that talks about it is second Peter 1 and verse 3 it say and I'll, I'll talk about the relevance of all of this in just a minute it talks it says here His divine power again this has nothing to do with our circumstances and has given to us all things meaning that we don't have to work for them okay notice given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness good and perfect life Is your natural life godliness? Is your spiritual walk? Do you understand? Amen. So again, we have these parallels, and it's really interesting that we start with the natural, we go to the spiritual. Do you know why? The reason is a lot of times people don't want to get spiritually better until they get naturally fixed up. You know, it's it's very interesting that God understands that you know people are this way. They need to know something works before they commit to something. You know, the the I mean, the disciples took... Peter took a while, you know, quite a while before he actually totally gave up his fishing business to follow Jesus. He needed to see this thing worked. When he saw this thing working, he goes, "Wow, this is pretty good. I think I, I think it's safe. Because he had a family, you know. Remember he had a mother-in-law? Okay, got, got healed. It means you had to have a wife. Okay, so <laughs> But he needed to know that he could support his family. And so this is how God works. He'll work... On the natural first, and when, you, and when you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, then He'll say, okay, now you need to straighten your act out. <laughs> okay? You need to stop doing these things. These are not good things you're doing over here. And you think, okay, God, fair enough. You know, you're know, you blessing me over here. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give all this and, and walk. up. And the thing is, we don't realize that what we're saying yes to is not less, but more. What God is actually trying to get across to us is, dude, you think this is good. If you stop doing some of the things that you're doing, you you can't imagine the blessing that's waiting on the other side of that one. Isn't it amazing that God asks us to give up things not so that we have less in our life, but we have more at the end of the day. I think that's awesome. Amen? You know why He doesn't need it? We need it. And He's constantly trying to get us to get there. You know, some way, somehow. Alright, let's move on. So what we're seeing here is that the Bible does support <clears throat> the fact that we are blessed. The poor have a blessing on them. If you're poor, you don't have to be poor. You don't have to remain that way because there are, there are all sorts of promises in the Word of God to get you out of there. And the blessing is you can get out. Amen? And the blessing for this is regardless of where you are, you can increase. Amen? Amen. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I love this. Jesus says, I'm over the page. Therefore I say to, unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. One of the things that, you know, <clears throat> that I do need to point out here is that he was talking to his disciples. These guys left everything to follow him. Yes, Can I say that you're in that same place today? You, you are here because you want to follow God above everything else. Seriously, family. And we have to make those decisions throughout our life and you know, in so many areas of our life. And there are so many opportunities to get mad and to behave in an ungodly way, can I say. <laughs> okay? And we resist all those things the best that we can. And when we don't, we ask God to forgive us. And He does. And we're back where we started. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Amen. So you know, you need to know, regardless of how many times your treatment and fall, we're in this position. We have said, God, to our best ability, we're following you. And Jesus says this to you. What things, whoever you desire, when you pray. Amen? And can I say this? If you're following God, then your desires will be godly. You'll know what not to ask, because I'll help you with that. (laughs) Okay? That's my job. Okay? Amen. (laughs) Because we do have 1 John 5 verses, I believe it's 14 and 15. If we ask according to His will. Yeah? We know He hears us. If we don't, He doesn't hear it. Okay. So, that's as simple as it is. And why Jesus said again in Luke uh, chapter 6 and verse 20, Blessed are you poor... For yours is the kingdom of God. Do you understand? He says, blessed are you poor. For yours, everything the kingdom has to give is yours. Are you getting this? And it's all there for them. Hallelujah. Amen? I've said here, for yours is the kingdom of God and everything that comes with it. Hallelujah. Now, no, let's stop here because (laughs) I want to talk about this a little bit. And I think we all need a break. We all look like we need a break today. Take a break and we'll come back in in a few minutes.